shorty playing in the front yard of the crib. Fell down and I bumped my head. Somebody held me up and asked me if I bumped my head. I said, yeah. And then they said, oh, so that means you're going you to switch it on. I said, yeah, flip mode. Flip mode is the greatest. You know, and as a shorty, I was always told that if I ain't going to be part of the greatest, I got to be the greatest myself. Come on, come on. What, what a surprise, give you something make this fucker roll over your eyes All my people getting money capitalized Die, little small guy, we on the rise Everything I'm rubber, touch platinumized Full of your quips, you know we coming on our supplies Got a big gun and I'ma show you the size Welcome to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast Presented by 4 for 4 Football It is Wednesday, October 19th I am 4 for 4s Senior DFS Editor, Chris Raybon Joined as always by 444 associate editor and co-founder of Roster Coach, Mr. TJ Hernandez. What's cracking, TJ? What's good, Chris? Just ready to get a lucky week number seven going, I suppose. I hope so. Uh, some really interesting things to talk about today. Our DFS theory topic will be on market shares and red zone uh, market shares and before we get into all that, let's of course talk briefly about the song that played us in, which was Gimme Some More by Busta Rhymes off of his, it was a Grammy nominated lead single off his third solo album, ELE, which stands for Extinction Level Event, The Final World Front. Uh, haven't heard this song in a while, but I remember the video for this, really love this song, TJ. Yeah, I think uh, you remember pretty much every Busta Rhymes video because they were so crazy. But for some, I, I don't know, life is random. I've had two random run-ins with Busta Rhymes. One, when I was living in Vegas, he was working out at my 24-hour fitness, which I don't know why someone of his status is working out at 24-hour fitness. And when I was in uh, Miami at Live, we had a table next to... Buster Rhymes, who is sharing a table with Stephen A. Smith, which was also very random. So those are my two run-ins with Bus a Bus. Well, that's some pretty cool stories. I have to. Uh, <laughs> it's random. We have to start playing the song from the artist that I've met, so I can do those humble brags <laughs> <laughs> as well. But uh, we digress. Let's talk about the four for four DFS championship on DraftKings really quickly to enter you can go to the 4 for 4 homepage right under DFS weekly fantasy games on the right hand side and you'll see a link to the 4 for 4 DK championship from now through week 14 of the NFL season you'll be able to enter a qualifier with uh $4,500 plus in prizes. You can finish in the top five in any week to win one of the 50 seats to the $10,000 final, which uh, is obviously uh, free entry if you win the ticket and uh, all 50 finalists get paid. Last week's 4 for 4 DK qualifier was won by DK user Fishnamurdy, who uh, he racked up a score of 214.52. Uh, so congratulations to him. His lineup was Eli Manning, Odell Beckham, Sean McCoy, James White, Kamar Aiken, Kelvin Benjamin, Kobe Fleener, Randall Cobb, and the Buffalo Bills. So great lineup. I uh, love the Eli to Odell stack there. 
Um, my best line, I'm only topped out at 27th. Um, I was hyped because it was we it was in second place for a while, but Tavon Austin ultimately uh, did me in. I had Breeze, McCoy, Howard, Brandon Cooks, Mike Thomas, Jimmy Graham, Randall Cobb, and the Bears. So again, you can sign up now to a qualifier for the championship. I'll put the link in the show notes. I'm in. TJ's in. John Paulson's in. Josh Moore is in. So the whole four for four team is in there. Um, be sure to check that out but let's get right into quarterbacks in week seven philip rivers in a really good spot 7800 on FanDuel, 6500 on DraftKings. the falcons are allowing the six most passing yards per game at 297.7 uh, the falcons are allowing the fourth highest completion rate at 68.5 percent and the Falcons are ranked 28th in 4-for-4's strength of schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. And even though San Diego is a road underdog, Falcons-Chargers has the week's highest over-under total at 53.5. And in 16 games as an underdog with an over-under of 50 or above since 2010, Rivers is averaging 300 passing yards and 1.88 passing touchdowns. In all other games over that span, he's averaging 271 yards and 1.83 passing touchdowns. So Rivers tends to throw for a lot more yards in these games with the high totals, and I expect that to continue against the Atlanta Falcons. TJ? Yeah, I like that call. I think a lot of people are going to be on the, the wrong side of the passing games uh, in that game. I, I really like the Chargers side there. Uh, quarterback I'm targeting this week is Kirk Cousins. He's $7,300 on FanDuel, $5,900 on DraftKings at Detroit. Detroit's pretty much uh, the premier defense to target with the passing game this year. Their last in completion percentage allowed, touchdown rate allowed, fantasy points per pass attempt. Uh, also, if we look at their red zone stats, teams have uh, pretty much carried what they've been doing uh, overall into the red zone. 70% pass rate against the Lions inside the red zone, which is the highest pass rate in the league. And 43% of those passes have gone for touchdowns, which is the second highest touchdown rate in the red zone against any defense in the league. And that's basically what Washington wants to do. They're going to try to throw to score uh, when they get in the red zone. They throw on 63% of their plays. Uh, I've done. I, I worked on a metric earlier this year called red zone expected value that basically looks at every play where it started inside the red zone and then the expectation of a touchdown based on the starting field position, uh, just basically so you're not lumping all of red zone plays into one play. Uh, if we look at all of those plays this year, Kirk Cousins has the highest red zone expected value of any quarterback uh, based on the red zone expected value. He should have about... 10 red zone touchdowns already. He only has four this year. Uh, that is a number that tends to regress even within uh, a single season. Well, uh, one of the, the greatest examples of that last year was targeting Russell Wilson because of uh, red zone efficiency and expected efficiency. And we all know how that ended up in the second half of the season. Kirk Cousins is shaping up pretty similarly if we look at his volume near the goal line this year. Yeah, red zone expected value, great metric. I will link the article where... You explained that, TJ, in the show notes. Uh, speaking of the red zone, if 
Jordan Reed does not play. Does that mm-hmm. change your opinion at all of Kirk Cousins in this game? I know Detroit has really struggled with the tight end position. Uh, not too much, and that's actually some nice foreshadowing because I got something uh, something for that coming up. Key stat, Matt Ryan leads the NFL with 9.9 yards per pass attempt. No other quarterback has more than 8.2. TJ? I, I briefly mentioned uh, Russell Wilson just now. Russell Wilson has the third highest career touchdown rate among active quarterbacks, but he currently has a touchdown rate below 3% this season. Geno Smith is minimum priced on both sites. Uh, he's our top by the numbers projected value on FanDuel, but he is Geno Smith. Any interest in rostering him this week? No, I'm going to leave that one alone. I think that's going to be a, a really ugly game on both sides. Um, both teams really struggle struggle with interceptions. Uh, I, I really don't want much to do with uh, e- either of those passing games. I mean, Brandon Marshall is frustrated. No Eric Decker. Uh, Quincy Anunla hasn't been what we expected. Um, I don't even remember the receiver's name that led them in targets last week. Uh, uh, Sharon, Poke, is that it? Sharon Peak. Peak, yes. Yeah. Um, so I think that, Robbie, Anderson, kind of, Robbie Anderson is up there too, but yeah. Kind of a mess. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk more about Brandon Marshall a little later on. Speaking of someone that might be a little harder to, to not – want any part of considering the defense he's going against. Uh, I know you were somewhat high on Alex Smith last week. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't really um, have the game uh, people expected. Uh, would you roster Alex Smith this week at home against the New Orleans Saints, given the fact that he only has those six 300-yard games and 126 career starts? Um, I kind of went against my own advice last week and actually it ended up not being too bad but uh, New Orleans has actually been really good in the red zone in terms of allowing passing touchdowns Um, Cam still got the rushing touchdown still ended up with a couple touchdowns so he ended up doing fine but uh, New Orleans has only allowed a 12% touchdown rate in the red zone Um, Spencer Ware's been pretty much that whole offense he's uh, second in the league in terms of uh, percentage of yards among running backs. And New Orleans just isn't the same team on the road. Uh, You know, we've already seen it this year uh, with the Giants, and it's not just automatically going to be that shootout that we expect when New Orleans isn't at home. So probably um, not too much of Alex Smith, and that leads a little bit to your other question. Yeah, I was just going to ask, you know, every time Drew Brees comes off a big game, I feel like, he goes over own the next week, and it's usually he's coming off a big game at home, and then he's going on the road the next weekend. Since 2013, he averages 58 less yards and 1.12, excuse me, less touchdowns per game on the road than at home. So, any interest in Drew Brees and this high-powered Saints offense in Arrowhead? Uh, I mean the. The Vegas line is telling us that we should be targeting this game, but it's favoring the Chiefs. Um, maybe, maybe like some of the passing game, but probably not Breeze. Um, if you can pinpoint which which pass catcher is going to to get any kind of volume, if there's a cheap guy, I, I can see that just because we expect the game to be high scoring, and uh, if the game script does play out like Vegas is suggesting, then. 
the Saints will have to throw a lot. That doesn't always favor the quarterback, but it does favor his pass catchers. But uh, I don't, just don't think it's it's the best spot this week. There's right. just too many moving parts on both sides of the ball that, that it's going to be really hard to pinpoint um, where the ball is going to go on either side. Right, yeah. I rarely ever roster Breeze on the road just because I – you know he has these big games at home and that you know puts a salary at a certain level and since the splits are so lopsided you're usually getting positive expected value when he's playing at home but negative expected value when he's playing on the road and Arrowhead is a pretty tough place to play football let's move on to the running back position I like DeMarco Murray this week 8700 on Fandle 7200 On DraftKings, he's third in the National Football League in touches per game at 23.0. He has at least 21 touches in four straight games. And he's played 95% of the snaps in two of his last three games. He's third in the league in snap percentage among running backs at 80%. The... Titans are a home favorite. They have a 25.25 implied point total. They've only averaged 20 points a game this season, so over five points above their season average is their Vegas implied total, and we always want to watch out for situations like that because that means uh, the Vegas projection systems are expecting a performance uh, above the norm for Murray and Murray's norm is already pretty high and the Titans norm is you know considering considering the the percentage of offense that Murray contributes to the Titans looks like a really good spot for him Murray is scoring 40 percent of the team's offensive touchdowns and on the other end we have Indianapolis who ranks dead last in four for fours schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs indianapolis is dead last in DraftKings points per touch allowed to running backs at 1.18 and they are second to last in fan duel points per touch allowed to running backs at 0.99 tj yeah that's another game that i think uh could be really interesting just because we get kind of caught up in our Twitter bubble and kind of forget that there's millions of other people that play DFS. I think a lot of people uh, could end up getting this game wrong. I don't think this is a game you want to overthink. I think if you go with the numbers, you you could find yourself in a pretty good spot against the field. Um, my running back this week is Jacquez Rogers, $5,600 on FanDuel, $4,300 on DraftKings. At San Francisco, it looks like Doug Martin suffered a setback. Uh, should be out at least one more week. We saw in his first start two weeks ago before the Baja Quiz Rogers had 35 touches. Uh, San Francisco's allowed five 100-yard rushers this season. They allow the second-most touchdowns to opposing running backs. And uh, this is, uh, not only does this matchup bode well, but just historically, Dirk Cotter has a history of heavily feeding his running backs. People probably don't realize that even when he was in Atlanta, when they didn't really have a... Um, a premier number one fantasy running back. They were still top 10 and 
touches to their running backs fantasy points if you look at the entire uh, backfield. And Jaquiz Rogers was part of that backfield with Dirk Cotter. So they do have some history together. And we've seen so many times offensive coordinators or play callers uh, just kind of bring their guys along and, and feed them if they're given the opportunity. And I think that's going to be another one of those spots Tampa Bay favored against San Francisco in a game where there will be more plays than usual just because of San Francisco's up-tempo pace. Yeah, definitely like that call. Jaquiz Rogers was majorly involved last Monday night against the Panthers. I believe he had something like double-digit carries by the end of the first quarter. And, um, you know, looked really good out there. So, like the Jaquiz Rogers call, my key stat, the Redskins, 49ers, Eagles, and Lions are the only teams in the NFL currently allowing five or more yards per carry to running backs. My key stat is also a multi-team stat. The Titans, the Cardinals, the Cowboys, and the Falcons are the only teams whose running backs cumulatively have accounted for at least 60% of team touches. All right, so speaking of the Falcons, San Diego ranks 31st in running back uh, schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. Devontae Freeman last week, 15 touches on 54% of snaps. Well, Tevin Coleman had six touches, but he played 46% of the snaps. That's kind of how it's been all season, where the snaps have been somewhat equal. Freeman has the edge in touches, 17.8 touches per game. Is that enough? Uh, do you have any interest in rostering Devontae Freeman this week? Yeah, I like Freeman a lot. I mean, this, the snaps have been close, but uh, Freeman's outtouched Coleman in every single game. If you look at the last two weeks, uh, he's actually doubled up Coleman's touches. He is near the top of the league and touches inside the 10-yard line. I think uh, only four running backs have more opportunities. That's carries plus targets um, inside the 10-yard line. So uh, the huge production hasn't been there, but a lot of that has been a lack of touchdowns. Uh, so we don't see those huge fantasy numbers. But if we just look at usage, uh, touches, touch rates, um, Freeman's right up there. So I, I like him a lot, especially um, his, he's not too expensive. I don't know his Fanduel price off the top of my head, but I know he's only 5900 on DraftKings. Speaking of a, back, uh, a team that struggles to stop the run, another team is the, the Saints. They rank 30th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. What do you do with the Kansas City backfield? Uh, You mentioned Spencer Ware accounting for a large chunk of their offense. He got 26 touches to Jamal Charles' 11 last week. You'd figure Charles will steadily see his role increase. Are you okay with rostering just Ware? Do you like both of the backfield, or is the potential committee um, keeping you away from it? Yeah, I think I'll— I think I'll still roll with Ware um, just because we did see last week that it was a a pretty even split until Kansas City got a hit. And then it was all Ware all day. They, he just hasn't given the, uh, the Chiefs any reason to force Charles back. Um, I think he's top two or three in yards per carry this year. I mentioned how big uh, of a chunk of the offense he's accounted for. So once again, if this game script goes to plan... Um, there's no reason for them to the Chiefs to um, give Charles a heavy workload. If this if the Chiefs end up with uh, 
up by a touchdown or more like Vegas suggests. It could be just like last week against the Raiders where it's pretty close, and then uh, once the Chiefs get ahead, it's a heavy dose of wear down the stretch. Right, yeah, I, I definitely like wear more. I, I think Charles... You know, I, I, I like him in the matchup, but I think his ownership will probably be higher than it should be just given the fact that his touch upside is a bit limited. Um, and finally, Carlos Hyde's not going to play this week. Mike Davis got six touches on 39% of snaps, and Sean Drone uh, only 8% of snaps and one touch. Uh, we know Jaquiz Rogers is going to be kind of that chalk running back who is cheap getting a lot of touches do you want any part of the 49er backfield uh i'm i'm worried because i chip kelly already came out and said that uh, this is going to be a committee approach if uh hyde doesn't play uh, which we haven't seen it's been all hyde all day for the 49ers so uh, we split up those touches uh knowing that davis probably isn't going to catch any balls knowing that the niners aren't going to throw a ton of balls to their running backs Combine that with the fact that they're probably going to let Kaepernick run, uh, not just because it's Kaepernick, but they've been doing it all season. Kaepernick and Blaine Gabbert, they lead the league in rushing yards by their quarterback. Um, I also think this is a game where Tampa Bay could run away with it. Um, San Francisco's looking pretty bad. They got smoked by by Buffalo, and I think um, Tampa's kind of been a... a I, I like their offense going into the year. They've had some hiccups, but... Uh, we've also seen them put together some stretches where they can really uh, light up the scoreboard. And even without their running backs, even without Vincent Jackson, I think this could be a spot where uh, Niners look a lot like they did last week. Yeah, I, I don't really want any part of the San Francisco backfoot. I think it's got to be on kind of a wait-and-see wait and approach. Um, probably wouldn't roster them regardless. Um, I think Carlos Hyde is just a lot better than those guys. Uh, let's move on to... Uh, wide receiver AJ Green is 8500 on FanDuel 8600 on DraftKings he leads the NFL in receptions per game at 7.0 third in the NFL in receiving yards per game at 101.0 fourth in the NFL in targets per game at 10.3 and the Browns rank 22nd in raw fantasy points allowed to wide receivers but when you take their strength of schedule into account, they actually dropped to 32nd dead last in strength of schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. So the Browns have been a, a bottom 10 team against wide receivers um, against a somewhat favorable schedule. And A.J. Green is, a real, is real tough to deal with. We saw him torch a Miami secondary that lacks talent and I think Cleveland's in the same boat Joe Hayden a bit banged up not sure if he's going to play this week but either way AJ Green's in a really great spot this week Bengals really need a win and then Mike Evans he is 8,000 on FanDuel 7,800 on DraftKings he is second in the NFL and targets 15 or more yards downfield. And those are the most valuable targets in fantasy. He's averaged 12.5 targets and 107.5 receiving yards per game. With Vincent Jackson out of the lineup in six games with Jameis Winston. Evans leads the Bucks in red zone target market share at 31.8%. 
Evans has five catches in every game. He scored a touchdown in four out of his five games this season. San Francisco's allowing the second most touchdowns in the NFL to wide receivers at 10. And San Francisco has had a lot of trouble stopping top passing game options. They are 32nd in the NFL in football outsiders DVOA versus number one wide receivers. And the 49ers have given up a touchdown to the last five number one wideouts they faced. So Robert Wood scored last week. Larry Fitzgerald scored two TDs the week before that. Uh, before that, it was Terrence Williams. Before that, it was Doug Baldwin. And Kelvin Benjamin scored two touchdowns against them the week before that. And as you mentioned, TJ, a lot of plays here. So I think, you know, pairing Evans and, and Rodgers in a lineup might be interesting, especially in tournaments. I'm not sure if people will pair them up. But San Francisco, uh, you know, on offense, 24 point. 04 seconds between plays. That's number one in the league. That's the fastest pace in the league. And because their offense isn't that good, that creates a lot of situations where they get off the field quickly. San Francisco also ranks first in the league in situation neutral seconds between plays. TJ? Yeah, I don't really have any problem uh, pairing up Evans and Quiz in any format. One, because Quiz is just going to be a ridiculous value where there isn't a lot of obvious value and two because mike evans is like you already you mentioned how much he's seen in terms of volume and now with vincent jackson out i don't know if it's a situation where um like we always want to just say that x players out so y player is going to step in and get those targets distributed that's not always how it happens like this could be a spot where we just see mike evans see 15 targets a game now with with vjx out like when i'm building lineups i'm pretty tempted just to uh go to the lineup generator and just click lock on mike evans this week just because of how much volume he's going to see and you're getting even though it's not a substantial discount it is a a decent relative discount to the highest price guys on both sides so uh, i really like the evans call but moving on to my guys uh, a a higher price guy that i like is alan robinson $8,400 $8,400 on FanDuel, $7,300 on DraftKings against Oakland. Uh, we we actually don't talk about this too much, but it's a really good thing to notice. Uh, West Coast team flying to the East Coast for the 1 p.m. game. Uh, we see it a lot of times. Teams The, the, the East Coast team uh, usually fares very well in this situation. Um, if I remember correctly, it's something like a, a record of 132-50, and 50, winning by average of like a touchdown. Um, number's going to be slightly off, but this is also, if you remember last year, almost exactly similar situation, uh, two pass heavy teams. And it was actually involved the Raiders traveling to the East coast for an early game. And that was against the Steelers. And that game was, if you stacked that game, um, you won the millionaire pretty much. So I think this could shape up pretty similarly. I really like this game. The Raiders ranked 28th in wide receiver adjusted fantasy points allowed. Allen Robinson saw just six targets last week. Um, I don't think we'll see a repeat of that. His target share's been there, just the the production hasn't been there. He's still accounting for 25% of Jacksonville's targets, 32% of the red zone targets, half of their targets inside the 10-yard line. And if you just look at the Jacksonville offense as a whole, uh, Blake Bortles has accounted for 88% of the total offense in terms of yards, obviously most of that being through the air. So I think a uh, lot, of, lot of passing against a pretty vulnerable Oakland defense and 
Robinson should see a, a big chunk of that. And then I alluded to this earlier, um, and this is going to be a little contingent on whether Jordan Reed plays or not, but uh, this probably want to save this for GPPs, but Pierre Garcon at $6,100 on FanDuel, $3,700 on DraftKings. He's led all Washington wide receivers and targets each of the last three weeks. Now, obviously, Jordan Reed has out-targeted a couple uh, out targeted him a couple times in that stretch, but he had 11 targets without Reed active last week. Uh, four red zone targets on the year, three inside the 10. It's kind of uh, taken over for those early red zone targets that were going to Jameson Crowder. We know Deshaun's never going to be a guy that uh, really gets a lot of red zone targets. And if we look at the DraftKings value report on the main slate, Pierre Garçon is the uh, second best wide receiver on the main slate. And we've seen... Um, a lot of values the past couple weeks pop up on the top of that uh, wide receiver value or stack report that are, are guys that are really hard to pull the trigger on. Um, Kenny Britt last week, uh, a couple weeks ago, I think it was Tavon, and, and there was another one that slipped in my mind. But those cheap guys that are, or it was Cameron Meredith two weeks ago. But um, man, th- those it, that that's one of those spots where the numbers. Uh, tell you the story that you need to know, but you look at the name and emotions take over. But I, I think this could be that situation this week. Yeah, even uh, Brandon Wafell a couple weeks ago, <laughs> yes, another LaFell. guy was on the top of those value reports. So those value reports available to four for four subscribers really have been helpful, especially at identifying some of those cheaper plays, which always go low on because, like TJ alluded to, really tough to pull the trigger on those guys. My key stat. Brandon Marshall, Jordy Nelson, and Emmanuel Sanders are the only wide receivers with 33% or more of their team's red zone target share. And wide receiver, you already touched on A.J. Green, but uh, outside of A.J. Green, the only wide receiver to account for a higher percent of his team's yards this year than A.J. is Kenny Britt. Kenny Britt, man. What, what do we think about Kenny Britt? Is he just an autoplay every week? Uh, I mean, I, th- I think you could probably make an argument that, given his price, um, you could throw him out there. But the problem is his target share hasn't been huge. Uh, it has been climbing a little bit. But it, it's been spread a little bit more evenly, in, evenly the last couple of weeks. Um, Tavon's went down a little bit. Lance Kendricks is still getting a little bit of love. Uh, Gurley's been more involved in the passing game. So I don't know if he's an auto play this week. He's not even on the main slate, so it's not a huge decision, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, uh, I mentioned he, he popped up on the value report last week and it's kind of getting hard to ignore. Yeah, no, he's definitely looking better out there. He's looks like he's using his size to make some plays. Of course, the team, the Rams still limited at quarterback. I think he's probably an interesting fade on the the London slate you know you could probably probably get Tavon Austin at really low ownership a week after you know he was at really high ownership and disappointed so interesting there but Kenny Britt definitely playing a lot better um we talked about Brandon Marshall earlier a little bit uh so Baltimore has given up a ton of multi-touchdown games to wide receivers they gave Corey Coleman Michael Crabtree had three touchdowns Odo Beckham two touchdowns last week Brandon Marshall's getting those red zone targets. He's getting those 15 yard targets, 15 or more yards down the field. Do we have any interest in Brandon Marshall? How big uh, of a knockdown does he get with Geno Smith at quarterback? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure he gets uh, necessarily gets a, a knockdown in value because of Geno, because Fitzpatrick hasn't been good. But as I mentioned before, I just think this this game is really shaping up to be like the dumpster fire of the week. So I'm probably just uh, avoiding this in all respects, um, even with that that Baltimore secondary. Okay, tight end Jack Doyle the. Great value here. It looks like Dwayne Allen's week to week. Jack Doyle is forty seven hundred on FanDuel. Min price twenty five hundred on DraftKings. Doyle played eighty nine percent of snaps last week. Doyle already has accounted for twenty seven percent of Andrew Luck's touchdown passes this season, even though Allen's been healthy. And in Andrew Luck's career, 35 of his 112 touchdown passes, or 31%, have gone to the tight end position. So Jack Doyle in a really good spot at min price at a volatile position to to catch a touchdown. And the Titans are a middling 16th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Yeah, and I mean, the the Colts are just a team that have always been very, very generous to their tight ends. Um, do you have any concern about Jack Doyle staying into block? Because they have been running a lot of two tight end sets, that being the uh, the Colts with uh, Doyle and Allen have both played over 67% of the snaps this year. Uh, but the the Colts have a pretty rough uh, matchup with in terms of offensive line versus defensive line and I am a little worried that uh, Doyle might not run as many routes as we would like yeah I think there's always some concern um, but at at such a volatile position like Mm -hmm. the tight end and given his price where it's min priced like I said if he just gets a touchdown and only catches like two balls like he still essentially pays off his value so at this Mm -hmm. price I'm not as concerned if I had to pay you know in the six thousands on Fandor and you know the fours on DraftKings or something like that I'd be a lot more concerned, um, but I think Doyle has shown well as a pass catcher, so um, it's possible. I, I'm not sure exactly how good their other tight end swope is at blocking versus receiving, so I have to check into that. But um, just because of the price, um, not too concerned, just given given who his quarterback is. All right, and my guy, and I know you are going to love this, uh, Gary Barnage, $5,200 on, $5, on FanDuel, $3,200 on DraftKings. Lowest price of the season on both sides. Um, we've seen this a ton. When when uh, players' price has like a dramatic drop that coincides with a drop in ownership, like they were priced relatively high for a reason at some point. Um, Fantasy Labs does a really good job of this with their trends. Uh, our boy Jonathan Bales, his site, uh, looking at players whose price drops more than $500 in any four- to six-week period, that's usually a really good indicator that... Um, that they're going to be very good value. Uh, at least five targets in every game since week two for Gary Barnage. And again, kind of hanging on the injury uh, injury concerns. If Terrell Pryor uh, ends up sitting, he has a hamstring that popped up, uh, then Barnage becomes a lot more attractive. But I think either way, he's a really nice play in a game where uh, Cleveland's going to be behind against Cincinnati, going to have to be passing a lot. Uh, Barnage could end up being that primary target, especially late in the game if they are big behind. Yeah, Cincinnati tends to struggle 
Um, I guess their linebackers struggle a little bit covering the tight end position. We saw Gronk kind of get loose against them last mm-hmm. week, so I like the Barnage call. Uh, key stat, Kyle Rudolph, Zach Miller, Cameron Brait, Travis Kelsey, and Jesse James are the only tight ends with more than with one third or more of their team's targets inside the 10 yard line and tight ends tend to convert those targets inside the 10 to touchdowns at a higher rate than any other position. And Mikey stat is uh, not exactly related to a tight end, but his effect on, on a game and a, a game that you already mentioned uh, with Antonio Gates in the lineup, Terrell Williams hasn't seen more than six targets in a game this year. That's interesting, and I think there's also a chance that Williams could see a lot of Desmond Trufant, who mm-hmm. is one of the better cornerbacks in the league. I think he was responsible for uh, most of Brandon Cook's not really blowing up in one of their home games against Atlanta, which is interesting because Cook's almost always blows up at home. So Trufant, good corner. Um, what, how do you feel about Travis Kelsey? In going against the Saints, New Orleans is actually only 11th um, in tight end schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. So they haven't really been bleeding points to the position like we're accustomed to. And I find with the Chiefs in general and players like Kelsey and Macklin and Smith that even when they have good matchups, it's really hard to predict whether they'll have success because they don't seem to just go into a game ever with a pass first mentality. So do you have any interest in Kelsey this week? Yeah, I mean, the problem is, like you mentioned, that it's really hard. They're, they're not necessarily going to take advantage of the best matchups every single week. Andy Reid's just going to kind of have a game plan that's agnostic of matchup a lot of time and kind of stick to it. I mean, this was a spot last week where it was, I don't know if we've seen a better spot for both Kelsey and Macklin um, against the Raiders, and they ended up using a... Uh, Poe with the goal line instead. So um, just kind of uh, just a weird situation all around with the Chiefs. They, they keep popping up in these spots that look very attractive and, and then disappointing. And it's not a spot where like a ton of volume or there's been a ton of trends that make you uh, think or that suggest that it's going to start to normalize. They just aren't using these players a ton. I mean, uh, Kelsey does have eight red zone targets, but he didn't get one at all last week in a game where they put up quite a few points. So uh, just really hard to trust these guys right now. Yeah, and I did some research in the offseason. It's in the DFS playbook tight end edition, and I found that tight ends are similar to running backs in the sense that they return the most dollars per point on all the sites when they are home favorites. But Kelsey, he actually is different in the fact that he returns his highest value when the Chiefs are underdogs and when they're on the road. And I think that's because the Chiefs don't really pass unless they have to. They don't they don't really have a pass-first mentality unless they have to. And I think a ton of Kelsey's red zone looks this year came in one game against the Pittsburgh Steelers where the Chiefs are just fell way behind. And I remember at one point, you know, Alex Smith's just jamming it into Kelsey in the, in the red zone over and over again in garbage time. And he dropped a couple and then he finally got in, you know, to the end zone. So I think this is a situation where it, the matchup on paper probably looks better you know, than the actual matchup. I don't have a problem with Ross and Kelsey in GPP just because I think getting a talented player against uh, a subpar defense 
is always something I like to do, but I'll kind of be paying attention to exactly where Kelsey's ownership is going to going to be at. You know, if it's going to be really high, then uh, my exposure to him will be really low. But if Kelsey's ownership is going to be in that kind of 5% range, then I'm fine with being over a little overweight on him. Gronkowski, TJ, two straight 100-yard games since Tom Brady is back. But this game against Pittsburgh is interesting because... Pittsburgh will probably run the ball a lot with Le'Veon Bell just to offset the loss of Ben Roethlisberger, which could kind of slow the game down a bit. Uh, Are you interested in Gronk? Do you think he can hit the 100-yard mark for the third week in a row? Pittsburgh is 23rd in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Yeah, the the thing about Gronk that that you have to pay attention to is his price shot through the roof, whereas he was kind of on par with the top price tight ends uh, last week and the week before, obviously. Uh, now he's $1,200 more than the next highest price tight end on both sides. So if you do roster him, you're really going to be sacrificing value at other spots um, that uh, in a week where there just isn't a ton of very obvious value. Um, there's a couple guys that, that seem like plug and plays no matter what, but uh, that doesn't mean you can just throw in a, crazy expensive tight end at a volatile position i mean we've we saw it last year it's just really hard to to roster rob gronkowski in cash games and be profitable um and even in even in gpps it's he just we like to say he's a uh two touchdown upside guy but he really just doesn't score that many two touchdown games and he's gonna have to have a really really big game to pay off that price tag so uh if i do play him i'm i'm reserving it strictly for the uh idea of trying to be contrarian in terms of lineup construction because he is going to really change how you format your entire team so uh, if you're going into it with that mindset that's fine but also recognizing that you are giving up a lot of other positions and you should be doing that very sparingly like if i have 10 lineups i may be doing that in one spot yeah i think before the doug martin news came out i was thinking of doing something Interesting was I was going to play uh, a lot of cash on Thursday to Monday slate because I think mm-hmm. you Cameron Meredith I think he's still viable um, at a pretty discounted price going against the Packers they're missing their top three corners Meredith uh, more targets than anyone in the league over the past two weeks and his targets combined with Kevin White's targets would lead the league so I think he's viable and then and then Doyle is really the other guy that's really a value play. So, but now that Rodgers is out, I think there's a little more value. You know, you can fit Gronk in, but I would never recommend. I pretty much never play Gronk in cash just because I don't really believe in paying up for a tight end in cash games just because of the volatility of the position. I think there's better ways to spend salary, and there's always going to be a bunch of those cheaper guys that are going to get in the end zone in a given week and that's usually going to pay off their salary let's go to kicker matt bryant he is 4700 the falcons implied total is 30 right now which is the highest on the slate they're 6.5 point home favorites it's always good for a kicker to be on a favorite because if the team gets up in the game they're more likely to kick field goals than if they're trailing where they might have to excuse field goals and go for touchdowns in the red zone instead speaking of the red zone the falcons are averaging the second most red zone opportunities per game in the league at 4.2 and matt bryant is one of five kickers that has not missed a kick yet 
in 2016, he's 12 of 12 on field goals and 21 of 21 on point after tries. TJ? On defense, I kind of hinted at this earlier that I think a lot of people are going to get this game wrong, but I love the Titans' defense against the Colts. Uh, $4,600 on FanDuel, extremely cheap at DraftKings at $2,500. Two-and-a-half-point favorites. The Colts allow 10.3 schedule-adjusted fantasy points to opposing defenses and special teams. Uh, One stat that I really like to look at is adjusted sack rate from our friends over at Football Outsiders. It's It's a stat that doesn't only look at sack rates, but looks at how often a quarterback's pressured, how often he's throwing the ball away, um, how, how often there's an intentional grounding, adjusts for all those things, and then adjusts it for schedule as well. So it gives us a really good idea of how good offensive and defensive lines are in terms of protecting the passer or getting after the passer. Uh, Tennessee, really high, 8.5% adjusted sack rate on the defensive side. Colts really bad, 8.9% adjusted sack rate on the offensive side. I kind of mentioned that I do think that this is a spot where Tennessee could really take advantage of the Colts. We have seen in the past, although it hasn't uh, been as bad this year, but Andrew Luck usually has a very high interception rate. This could be one of those spots where we see that. Right, and Andrew Luck's on the road too, so... Um, not not just like he's at home with T.Y. Hilton, you know, he's going to Tennessee, a little bit tougher matchup. Uh, let's get right into our DFS theory segment. We'll be talking about market share and red zone tendencies, um, two really important uh, stats that, you know, a, a lot of the sharper players are looking at, but maybe some of the more novice DFS players might not pay as close attention to, but I know we always get asked, you know, what are the most important stats that you're looking at? And, you know, market shares and red zone tendencies are at the top of the list because you market shares do something. And what a market share is, is it's just, for example, the percentage of a player's targets, uh, percentage of team targets that a player gets or the percentage of yardage or the percentage of touchdowns that a particular player is getting relative to his team and one of the reasons why we like to use market share instead of just say raw targets or something like that is because market share helps adjust for game scripts for example 10 targets when a team has 25 passing attempts is obviously a lot better than a receiver getting 10 targets when the team threw 50 times so Looking at these market shares really allows us to uh, pinpoint exactly what the team's tendencies are. Uh, TJ, just talk to me about how you incorporate market share into your weekly process. Yeah, I think the most actionable way to uh, look at market share and incorporate it into your your player projections and and lineup building decisions is uh, to combine it with what Vegas is going to be telling us about how a game's going to go. So um, we'll get into exactly what these market shares are, break them down by each position. But uh, what I mean by combining them with Vegas and and extrapolating these numbers is that uh, we have a lot of, of situations where you you hear us quote market share you hear us quote um uh, over unders or or projected points or spreads but uh, i think to the untrained ear or to the untrained reader uh, you can look at these numbers all independently and not really know how to 
how to make them cohesive. But basically what I do, and I'll just use, say, quarterback as an example. And like I said, we'll get into these a little bit deeper. But uh, if we look at how often a, a team is throwing in the red zone um, and we look at how many points that team has been scoring, if Vegas tells us that that team is going to score, say, a touchdown or more over their their point-per-game average, then we can look at their scoring tendencies or their red zone tendencies and say, okay, this quarterback usually throws for, say, two touchdowns a game, um, but now this team is expected to score another touchdown. They're throwing 70% of the time in the red zone, and 25% of these looks are going to, to this wide receiver. So these are indicators that that passing game, particularly to a specific wide receiver, are going to be really good spots to target. These are going to be places that you can really overlook them if you're looking at raw numbers because if you see that, um, I don't know, a receiver only has ranks 20th in red zone targets on the year, uh, that might not stand out, and you might just move on and look for the guy with the most red zone targets. But if it's a spot where, I don't know, it's Kenny Britt last week and uh, the the Rams are expected to score a lot more than usual, I don't even know if his red zone targets were up. I'm just using that as an example. But if that market shares up for, for any particular player and there's a indicator of game script that, that a game's going to be going a particular way, uh, you can use these market share numbers and, really get an edge on the field where a lot of people are just looking at raw fantasy points, uh, touches, uh, targets, catches, whatever the raw number might be, and not really uh, getting an idea of uh, what these numbers actually mean. Yeah, that's a great point. I think these, especially for receivers, tight ends, these market share numbers are important because you're getting a stat that accounts for a mix of play calling tendencies a receiver's ability to get open and then also a quarterback's tendency to throw it in a receiver's direction. So you're they these these market share numbers can really tell you a lot both all over the field and particularly in the red zone. I think that was a great point about these raw numbers too. It's obviously great when a receiver is near the top of the league in red zone targets because, or something like that because then we know that their team is probably getting into the red zone a lot. But as you mentioned, TJ, that's not always the case. There will be a lot of situations where certain teams will be expected to score more or less than usual in a given week. So it's helpful to know, you know, what percentage of the time is, is, is the ball going their way in the red zone? Because the thing with red zone market share and in the red zone and then also market share even on, on passes 15 or more yards downfield, the, these, these targets are so high leverage they're so important in fantasy you know you a red zone target can make up for not getting targeted as much on other parts of the field because you know just just getting those touchdowns are, are of course as we know you know one of the most important things in fantasy so you know getting these spotting these players that are really getting these valuable targets is is really an edge if you can make sense of the the data like TJ said using the Vegas lines and then adjusting it based on you know what percentage of market share that a player is getting at at the running back position we usually look at market share of total touches we can look at uh percentage of team touches overall that a running back is getting so you know that that can adjust for teams that are more pass heavy or or, or run heavy and just you can also look at the amount of touches a running back's getting in the red zone. That's really important because, and I say touches because, you know, if you just look at carries, a lot of running backs get 
receiving game usage in the red zone. And a lot of times catching a pass in the red zone or catching a pass inside the 10 for a running back is a very good way for them to score a touchdown. We've seen this numerous times in the past few weeks where, you know, Jordan Howard catches a little dump off in, in, in the red zone and takes it for a touchdown. We saw Lamar Miller um, make a play uh, late in the game in the red zone, get his second touchdown on a catch. We saw C.J. Anderson get a touchdown wiped off the board last week when he made a great play just catching a little dump off in, in the red zone. So uh, really checking out these touches and not just the carries in the red zone for running backs uh, is really really important there yeah and before we move on and i'm gonna make some more notes about running back we should note that uh we do have a few tools on 444.com that allow you to extrapolate all these numbers takes a little bit of arithmetic and uh sometimes some excel magic but you can you can export all of these tools into a csv format and and do it very simply and those those tools we have the the player uh the player target app the player touch app, and we also have the uh, red zone tendencies, which tells you uh, how many passes, pass touchdowns, rushes, rush touch, rush touchdowns uh, each team is is accounting for, and each player is accounting for. So combine those together, you can really get all of this work done. But um, in addition to what you mentioned about running backs, uh, the the running backs, the percent of the team touches. A couple other ones that I like to look at are um, how how much of the workload is going to an entire backfield um, for a team. So some teams, I mentioned it earlier with uh, with the Falcons and the other teams, uh, the Titans, their backfield accounts for over 60% of the team touches. So you look at something like that, and then you look at, um, at a, a running back's touch share within the backfield, then there's certain situations where those numbers can really help you when you are in a situation where, uh, you're supposed to avoid a particular a particular value because oh that team uses a committee. But if we are looking at two different teams, one team you, uh, gives their running back the the ball say 65% of the time, and another team gives their running backs the ball 50% of the time. Those committees are going to be very very different. And if you're not looking at how often a team is giving the ball the running the ball to their running back instead of just uh, the raw numbers, uh, you can really miss some value, especially if you find a team that's going to be in a favorable favorable position. Uh, other things that I look, like to look at, you, you touched on targets inside the red zone. Uh, I like to look at opportunities, so uh, carries plus targets, um, and then not only inside the red zone, but inside the 10 and inside the 5-yard line because if you combine those numbers with touchdown rate, that's a spot where running backs are really going to regress in terms of their scoring because over the long term, running backs are generally going to convert touchdowns inside the 10 and inside the 5 uh, pretty close to some kind of mean, their individual mean or or the league mean. But it usually uh, ends up closer to the league mean just because there are so many other factors, offensive line and whatnot. Obviously, there are some guys that are just extraordinary extraordinary at scoring but um those are very few and far between and they're usually very obvious plays uh so looking at those numbers i think are very important for running backs as well yeah great points and you should mention that in terms of percentage of team touches uh the league leader right now is todd Gurley at 49.6 percent in case you guys listening are looking for a frame of reference um the top five running backs in terms of percentage of team touches are all up uh, at 
of their team touches are higher. And then for wide receivers, I don't have the market share numbers in front of me, but anytime a wide receiver's or any receiver's market share climbs into the mid twenties or above, it's generally a favorable f- uh, figure for them. Yeah, the um, just roughly over the past couple of years, if uh, if a receiver is getting twenty percent or more of their team's uh, target share, they're usually usually going to be roughly in that wide receiver twenty four range. Obviously, that's not. Uh, perfect math but that's usually how it works out just because there there are only so many balls that can go around if you're looking uh in like that 25 percent range you're talking about usually top 12 to 15 wide receivers and then there's only an exclusive bunch of receivers usually only three to five guys a year that are seeing uh 30 percent target share uh, for wide receivers right and i should also mention that these market share numbers you can also do them for defenses as well so Mm -hmm. you can look at what percentage of targets are going say to wide receiver ones for defenses or to wide receivers versus tight ends or you know what teams are allowing a lot more running back touches versus passing attempts and things like that um one interesting thing i i just did today actually was i downloaded the CSV of the 4 for 4 schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed and I compared the uh, the quarterback the the schedule adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks to the schedule adjusted po- points allowed to running backs and you can kind of see which teams tend to give up more of the fantasy production to to the passing game and which teams tend to give up more of the fantasy production for running game so a lot of different ways you can use just the concept behind market share to kind of compare different uh, tendencies using percentages rather than only looking at the raw numbers and another thing going back to quarterbacks really quickly just the stat of what percentage of offensive touchdowns a quarterback accounts for mm-hmm. is a really helpful stat that I've been using with a lot of success since for a couple of years now and essentially the average quarterback accounts sort of roughly about 70 percent of a team's offensive touchdowns and I know like last year for example Blake Bortles was up around 85 90 percent and that's why he was a really good fantasy option for most of last year hasn't necessarily been the case as much this season but because quarterbacks they're they're only getting one point every 25 yards yardage alone for a quarterback is not necessarily going to put you over the top or give you the value you need so you really need those passing touchdowns usually at least two but preferably three or more and the way you can figure out which quarterbacks are most likely to score those touchdowns is you can check you know which quarterbacks are accounting for the highest percentage of the offensive touchdowns and then you can take into account rushing touchdowns for quarterbacks plus their passing touchdowns because sometimes Mm -hmm. their passing touchdowns don't tell the full story but it's just really helpful to know uh which quarterbacks are scoring a large percentage of their offensive touchdowns and then you combine that as tj mentioned with the vegas implied totals and you can usually get a really good idea of which quarterbacks are going to put up touchdowns in a given week because quarterback is the most predictable lowest variance fantasy skill position yeah and building on that concept and anyone that's listened to this podcast knows that i like to reference this number a lot uh, passing rates inside the red zone. I like to look at how often a team throws inside the red zone, but also how often teams throw against a specific defense in the red zone. Uh, combine those numbers when you find a team that throws a lot in the red zone versus a team that gets uh, thrown on a lot in the red zone, uh, potential four touchdowns 
quarterbacks that lead the league in percentage of team touchdowns this year. Aaron Rodgers has accounted for all of Green Bay's touchdowns. The only rushing touchdowns they've had have come from Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Jameis Winston, 91%. Brock Osweiler, 89%. Matthew Stafford, 88%. Blake Bortles, 81%. Ben Roethlisberger, 80%. And that's including rushing touchdowns, so total team touchdowns. Right. Uh, And some, I'll just follow up with some red zone receiving market share stats. Uh, The top, the leader, the league leader in red zone target market share is Kyle Rudolph at 42.9%. Mm-hmm. Then we have Brandon Marshall second, Jordy Nelson, Emmanuel Sanders. I mentioned those guys. Uh, Jason Witten's fifth, Larry Fitzgerald sixth at 32.1%. Mike Evans, Todd Gurley, Terrell Pryor, Greg Olson, Demarius Thomas, DeMarco Murray, and Julian Edelman all getting 30% or more of their team's red zone targets and then inside the 10 yard line which of course touchdown the, the chances of a touchdown increase uh kyle rudolph leads the league in that too 60 percent of his team's targets inside the 10 yard line obviously these are all small small samples excuse me because teams don't necessarily get inside the 10 yard line a ton each game but rudolph leads the league larry fitzgerald's and Zach Miller also getting 50% or more, as are Allen Robinson, Odell Beckham, and Terrell Pryor. Jordy Nelson, Emmanuel Sanders, Kelvin Benjamin, Cameron Brait, Julian Edelman, Bryce Butler, DeAndre Hopkins, and Kenny Britt are all getting 40% or more of their team's targets inside mm-hmm. the 10-yard line. So some names to keep in mind there. And I really like Cameron Brait. I actually think Cameron Brait will... Uh, benefit a lot from Vincent Jackson being out because I think Brait was already kind of moving into that second favorite target for Winston over Jackson. And now that Jackson is out, I think Brait will be that clear cut second target with Adam Humphreys um, being the third, third target in line. So um, keep those names in mind. Um, you can, you if, if you're just looking for the, the target market shares and you don't want to do a bunch of Excel work, uh, in the red zone, Pro Football Reference actually has them if you go to uh, Seasons and then to the Fantasy drop-down, and then it'll give you options for red zone rushing, red zone receiving. And uh, they have a column called Percentage TGT, which is Percentage of Targets, which is the target market share. So you can go to Pro Football Reference and check those numbers out if you're curious um, about who's getting the most work in scoring range. Yeah, and I just do have a a couple uh, last thoughts on how to use target share. And um, we've kind of been focusing on how to use these in terms of targeting players uh, that, that can see an increase in production. You can use it both ways. Uh, you can also look to see uh, where players are should be regressing negatively um, or just regressing in general. There's a couple ways you can do this. And uh, if you take those market share numbers, either touch share for running backs or target share for wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, you take those numbers, um, also red zone shares, compare them to a uh, percentage of team yards that the player accounts for and percentage of team touchdowns like the, the, uh, that the player accounts for. And then if you see a disconnect between target share or touch share um, and yards or touchdowns, then that can be indicative of, of a couple things. One, it could be indicative of a player that is... Uh, likely to regress and 
if that's a player that um, doesn't see a lot of deep balls or isn't a big home run hitter at at running back, then uh, usually just that's a player that's due for regression. They've probably been scoring more touchdowns than we would expect given that red zone opportunities, uh, or they've just randomly uh, had a couple of big plays when they're not normally a player that does that. Or it can be indicative of something else. If a player's seeing way more yards than his touch or target share would suggest, or, or way more touchdowns, then uh, that could just be very indicative of a player that's either uh, very low volatile, low ceiling, or high volatile, high ceiling. So a uh, perfect example right now is if we look at the Rams, um, Tavon Austin has a huge target share, but he has a, low, a very low share of the team yards. Well, Kenny Britt has a pretty low target share, but a very high percentage of the team yard. So uh, we can explain that by looking at how Tavon Austin gets targeted. It's very short targets, usually not targets down the field. So he's not gaining a lot of yards uh, from the catch or after the catch. Whereas uh, Kenny Britt, a little bit bigger, he could throw it down, uh, throw it downfield a little bit. He could break some more tackles. Uh, but also because of that, he is probably going to be very boom bust. So combining all these numbers together, trying to figure out how to how to work this puzzle, what this puzzle is trying to tell us, um, and take the time, do these calculations. Not always fun. Definitely takes a, a little bit of time out of your day. But if you do uh, take a couple hours, try to figure out how to use these Excel sheets or figure out a way to manually calculate it yourself, you're going to give yourself a big edge and find a lot of information that just isn't readily available no matter what subscription plan you have to whatever website. Definitely. And yeah, I think just in closing, like these market shares and these, and all these, these red zone numbers, they're just kind of ways to double check yourself. You know, there's, you can always start out with your projections and your point per dollar values, but there's going to be some hidden value in certain places. You can, there's going to be certain guys that are highly owned or projected to be highly owned in a given week. And, you know, just, you know, maybe a guy doesn't have that many raw targets per game, or like TJ said, that many touchdowns. But if you see, he's getting a decent share of his team's targets and maybe they just haven't had to throw a lot over, you know, the last few games. I remember there was a game, I think a couple of weeks ago when the Dolphins only managed 18 pass attempts. So, of course, that just killed Jarvis Landry. He only had, you know, about three targets in that game. But we know that, in general, Jarvis Landry getting a lot of high percentage of the team's targets. So, you know, that's a situation where you don't really worry about that too much. Or you might see a guy with the reverse where he got a ton of targets, but the team threw 55 times in a game. You'd obviously expect that to regress. So I think, you know, just looking at these numbers are a good way to kind of find some hidden maybe hidden value um try to find some guys who are cheap but maybe they're getting a good percentage of their teams of their team's production and it is it, really valuable really valuable information uh any any closing thoughts tj i think that pretty much uh, wraps it up for target market share just reiterate that uh, we do have all these numbers um available on four for four uh targets touches Lots of tools that go over these numbers. Uh, some of these percentages as well, but not all of them. Uh, some of them do require some calculations. But if you are a 4 4 subscriber, I really encourage you to dig into these tools outside of, of just the lineup generator and uh, what Chris and I are writing up. There's a lot of, a lot of invaluable stuff in there that uh, I just don't think you're going to find anywhere else. And if you take the time to, to dig through that, I think you're going to be very pleasantly surprised. 
Yeah, definitely. We've been getting a lot of great feedback from the DFS subscription. Um, every week we get a few emails and a few tweets, you know, of guys that have won uh, a lot of money using these subscriptions. So you can go check it out, 444.com. If you want to find a discount, there is a discount code in my pinned tweets on Twitter. I am at Chris Raybon at C-H-R-I-S-R-A-Y-B-O-N. Also, be sure to follow TJ Hernandez on Twitter at TJ Hernandez, T-J-H-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z. TJ posts a ton of great stats and things throughout the week that can help you um, in DFS and in just regular fantasy football with your start-sit decisions. TJ, any final words on Roster Coach before we get out of here? Yeah, uh, Roster Coach is a website that I founded that basically goes through um, all these processes that we're talking about every single week and shows you exactly how to do these things, what numbers we're looking at, where we're calculating them, where we're getting these numbers from. Uh, even have a course like I just talked about. If you're not familiar with Excel, uh, I go through and go through about 10 very critical Excel functions that you can use in Excel, Google Sheets, OpenOffice, and uh, tailored specifically for fantasy football research, so how to calculate these target numbers and such. Um, all that info is on there with video tutorials. Chris and I are available for one-on-one DFS coaching if you're looking to expedite that learning curve. Um, if you want us to walk you through some Excel, if you want us to walk you through how to calculate these, just talk DFS in general, uh, we're available for all of that as well. Right, and I think the one-on-one coaching is really valuable because you know I've had I've had a bunch of clients um, now by now, and one thing that I found really valuable that we do is we review their previous week, mm-hmm. and I think that's very valuable because the thing is a lot of people you know they have their DFS subscriptions, they have the data, they have the information, but it really comes down to how you use it and to have somebody somebody experienced. Um, look at what you've been doing and say, you know, you know, now nah, you've been, you've kind of been doing this wrong. Even with the, mm-hmm. the correct information, you could still uh, make incorrect decisions. So just having somebody to go over that with you. And I've also ran into clients that, you know, they, 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 they haven't been using the lineup generator um, as beneficially as they could be. So, uh, you know, giving them some tips there, giving them some tips. A lot of people um, have the problem of they, tend to identify a lot of the correct players in their player pool in a given week for GPPs, but they don't necessarily have the correct lineups. And mm-hmm. I've been able to kind of help people uh, learn how to construct their lineups with the player pool that they do, do have to, to gain maximum leverage, uh, given the limitations they have in terms of bankroll or, or number of entries that they will submit. So um, really valuable, rostercoach.com. Check it out. Follow Roster Coach on Twitter. And... Just want to thank all of you for listening to DFS MVP. We hope it's uh, provided some valuable content, helping you uh, profit in your DFS contests. Um, really appreciate all the feedback. If you like the pod, please leave us a review on iTunes or give us a retweet. Both really help us out a lot. So, again, thank you guys for listening. Uh, any last words, TJ? Give me shmo money. Let's get this money. I said, yeah. And then they said, oh, so that means you're going you gonna to switch it on them. I said, yeah, flip mode. 
flip mode is the greatest. You know, and as a shorty, I was always told that if I ain't gonna be part of the greatest, I gotta be the greatest myself. Come on, come on, yeah, come on, yeah, baby. What for the surprise? Give you something, make it suck a roll over your eyes. All my people getting money, capitalized. Die, little small guy, we on the rise. Everything I'm rubber touch flat, the mind's full of your quip. You know we coming all on supplies. Got a big gun and I'ma show you the size. You mess with any of my flip mode family ties. Me and my people be coming through, stroking you out, killing off any and everything you're talking about. See you in the club, now we walking you out. Should've thought twice for you when they open your mouth. Yo, anyway we stay keeping it moving, messing with the phone rubber. Hope you know what you're doing. Now blame me, all the same fuckers is lame. It's not a game, no my name still clicking your brain. You people had enough? Give me some more. You people want the wild hit? Give me some more. Your split with the G's at? Give me some more. You know we always need that? Give me some more. Even though we getting money, you can give me some more. Cars in the big crib? Give me some more. Everybody spread love? Give me some more. If you want it, let me hear you say. Give me some more. Splash with a rash, give me my cash, look at my ass, running with my money, so go out with a blast. Do what you want, dummy, cut in the corner, you messing up the order, go ahead and meet the reporter. Yo, she telling us how you switch to a miss. A little fake funny down, so I get you with a snitch. So now I pass you straight, I don't got nothing to ask you. Make a little room for me, you know my people to pass through. Cartier, Sydney, Portier, her waist. Go with all of my numbers from around the waist. When I come through, your people know I do my thing, bring motion to generate money. Cha-ching, arrest you, lyrically, flow will caress you. Bless you, then my brother come to your rescue. Why you assuming that I blossom and bloom? I'm coming soon, hit you with a boom, give me some room. You people had enough? Give me some more. You people want the wild head? Give me some more. Your split with the G's at? Give me some more. You know we always need that? Give me some more. Even though we getting money, you get? Give me some more. With the cars in a big crib? Give me some more. Everybody spread love? Give me some more. If you want it, let me hear you say. Give me some more. Yo, yo, live brother, sh- know what I mean? And represent why we getting money and reign supreme. Hope y'all talkers don't be coming through full steam. Can't see me, better turn on your high beam. All my people while I'm ringing the siren. Flip mode. We go with people from my team. Never should you ever try to mess with my cream. My OD, when my shit get all in your bloodstream. Every time we be ripping and be blowing it down, blowing you off. Come with the hottest lovers around Buckets with me and my people run through your town Holding it down, taking the wallet, they give me my crown Hey, all my people need to come and surround And rubber be hitting so much to make you fall on the ground Sure to make you shot, that's what I be all about Turning you out, making all of you people fall out You people had enough? Give me some more You people want the wild hit? Give me some more Your split, where the G's at? Give me some more You know we always need that? Give me some more Even though we getting money, you can Give me some more Put the cars in the big crib Give me some more Everybody spread love Give me some more If you want it, let me hear you say Give me some more